This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss. The East Coast Offense Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com. There's a special offer for new users. You can get a free six-month RotoWire subscription for a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to you to play on FanDuel. That's more than $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Again, this is the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss. I am joined by Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What is going on with you, man? Everything's pretty good. Um, I still actually have seven more drafts to go. Um, I've seemingly backloaded this year, so I'm excited for that, and I'm ready for the season to finally start. Yeah, I'm front-loaded, dude. I'm done. That Yahoo Friends and Family we did together was our was my last one, I think. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, hopefully you don't have too many Jamal Charles uh, shares. Zero. What, what? Absolutely zero in any MFL, any of my league, any of my leagues whatsoever. What are your thoughts on him? Um, my colleague Andy Barons was saying, you know, he'd be happy to take uh, he'd take him off a uh, itchy trigger fingers uh, owner's hands. And Andy knows what he's talking about. But personally, I'm like, this is fantasy football, not baseball. I mean, <laughs> you're dealing with a guy with a knee injury at his age, who's now it's reported that he's like not even, not a chance to start week one. I'm worried. I I, I, bear, I mean, I dropped him ten spots in my running back rankings. Where where, where would you take him? Yeah, I have him 13th below Doug Martin ahead of Latavius Murray right now. So I have him, like, right, you know, right before the scrubby running back start. And you say it's not like baseball, but I have Michael Brantley everywhere this year. So it's not, it doesn't make any difference. If you're hurt, you're hurt. It's True. not like he had a setback, though. I think that would be a lot worse, right? If he were returning and everything were on schedule and suddenly you felt this horrible pain and had to be shut down, this is more he's just a little behind schedule, right? Yeah, I'd say he suffered the injury week five. The last time he did it week was week one or something like that. And he says it's totally different, different knee, different recovery. And um, I don't know, you read the quotes, it just seems uh, – I say that baseball analogy just because 
seems like a longer season. If you get in an 0-3 hole in football, I mean, before you know it, your, your season might be over. On the flip side, if you get a healthy Charles and you make the playoffs, that is more important than, say, a rotisserie season-long league. You just need him healthy when it matters most. And it's going to cost you a higher pick, obviously, if you do want Spencer Ware. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little concerned. Running back his age, coming off the surgery, not even close to ready at this stage. Um, yeah, I think 13th is even fairly aggressive. So you have, like, Latavius Murray and those guys ahead of him? I, I'm not a huge Murray guy, personally, but I have him uh, around 15th. I, I would take um, – I guess you're right. Probably uh, – maybe the difference in ours is I have, like, Thomas Rawls and Jeremy Hill ahead of him. Maybe that would be the difference. In a PPR? Well, PPR would be a little different, obviously. Obviously. That, that I try to rank kind of in between, but I could see – yeah, I could see that changing in a PPR. That would probably change, yes. And Rawls, I'm not I'm not uh, bullish on him now. I, I just think Christine Michael opened that door, and that's – you can't go back. Like, he's going to get early down work, and neither of them is really going to play on third down. So, I think Rawls took a big hit in my book uh, with the emergence of Michael. Yeah, well, my book, he went from a easy top 10 pick to now you can have him in the fourth. And to me, that's that's fine. I, I will happily grab him in the fourth. Yeah, but I don't know why you're so confident that he's the starter. I mean, if Michael, who everybody was arguing was the most talented running back, you know, out of college that year, and everybody expected it to be huge, is now in the good graces of the team and has sort of gotten the light bulb go on and is completely healthy coming into the year, why would he not get half the carries? I'm sure he will get some carries, and I, and I do like Michael. He's an especially great uh, guy to grab later, and he could be a monster if given the full workload if Rawls, something happens with that ankle. But, I mean, the coaching staff has come out and said that he that Rawls was, is the unquestioned starter, and he was really, really good when he was on the field last year, and the Seahawks run the ball a lot, and I just love that environment. I think they're going to win 12, 13 games, and, and he's obviously uh, going to be their goal line guy. So I, I think he – I think – yeah, sure, there's some question marks, but so is every, everyone around the area in, in the fourth round. I mean, come on. Well, no, but in the – I mean, look, if, if you look at like Latavius Murray, who I don't like at all uh, for other reasons, he's the starting running back in Oakland. There's no question about it. And there's not really a time share. I mean, I think DeAndre Washington will eventually eat into it because Latavius Murray's not really good. But Latavius Murray is slated to get the early down work. He is the guy there. Whereas Rawls, who cares what they say? I mean, they've been saying Jimmy Graham's going to be ready for week one. You know, they've been lying about Jimmy Graham from day one. Why do we believe that Rawls is the starter? Rawls had three or four good games last year. Okay, he looked great. But, and he was the incumbent. But if Michael is healthy and playing well, why do you, I don't really understand why one is the starter and one's the backup. I just think they're both going to play and one is completely healthy and one is really good when healthy. Yeah, and obviously the fact that Rawls doesn't catch too many balls is a problem because, you know, you can counteract not getting 20, 20 carries with, with some catches, other other backs. But we just – maybe the whole team gets better. Oakland, um, the young guys, and, and Derek Carr proves me wrong. And obviously Cooper could go nuts, and their offensive line is actually pretty good on paper. Um, but we just saw what he could do with over 300 touches. And um, this is a guy that with a past concussion history – and I wasn't overly impressed, frankly. I mean, he got 4.0 yards per carry, and he had 1,200 yards and six touchdowns with, like, 315 touches. I mean, that was his that, – if that's his upside, then I, I don't get it. I mean, I will happily make a Rawls versus Latavius Murray bet, I mean, any day of the week. I, I don't – I'm fading Murray. I'm just saying I understand why people take him because it's his job for sure for now. Whereas with Rawls, 
I just don't see how anybody could say he's the definite starter, Michael's the definite backup, when Michael's the one who's been healthy and killing it in the preseason. And what reason do the Seahawks really have to say, you know what, Rawls is definitely our starter if Michael's playing well? What do they well, I mean, Michael is, is disappointed time and again. I mean, it's, I like how you don't you don't want to believe the coaching staff when they say that Rawls is the starter, but you do want to believe the coaching staff when they say that the light bulb's turned on. It's very interesting that you are picking and choosing what you want to believe coming out of Seattle camp. Um, sure, Murray has a higher floor. There's no question no, no, about that. I, no, but that, that's not the point, though. The point is they – starter doesn't really mean anything, right? It just matters the distribution of carries, right? If Who cares who's there when the game starts, Right? What matters is the split, and I don't really see how Rawls is going to be entitled to bigger than a 55-45 split based on the situation right now. I mean, it's possible he is, but I don't think we have a good indication that he will be. If Michael is, is cranking off big runs also, to me, it's sort of like whoever has the hot hand, whoever seizes the job. There's no indication that Rawls, Rawls is not Marshawn Lynch, you know, a multi-time Pro Bowler coming back who they know – done well in the playoffs in the Super Bowl this is not the situation this is a guy who had four or five good games last year who was a rookie that was even drafted Rawls um, I don't think so but they weren't just four or five good games I mean they were you know the historically really really good yards per carry for a rookie that, that got that amount of touches I mean it was 5.6 rookies that have gotten that amount of carries have gone on typically that that portends a, a, a future star and I don't know, Michael, I think, can get eight carries, and, and then Rawls can get had, 17, 18. He had, and they... he had 209 yards against the uh, Niners in a huge game last year, Rawls. And he was good in a few games. But, I mean, again, this is not Marshawn Lynch. This is not an incumbent that we can say it's his job. He's, he's got the job no matter what Michael does. The reality is Michael, who has ridiculous talent, and everybody's argued that for the last two years, is going to share carries. I don't see why you think that it's going to be 70-30, which is starter backup, rather than 55-45. I'm looking at 55-45 and no third down, and Rawls has an injury risk. That ankle that ankle happened last year in the playoffs, right? I mean, he's nine months later, and he's still not really playing in games. Man, I think that's an yeah, awfully it, risky fourth-round pick. It's the world's worst uh, broken ankle. Um, where, where would you rank Rawls if he were uh, – not coming off a serious injury, and there was just a, a, a backup situation okay. that didn't scare you. If Michael were out for the year suddenly, okay, and Rawls played in the fourth preseason game and got 100 yards on 10 touches, I would rank Rawls at the top of that early down, no third down work type of guy. So he'd be close to where Adrian Peterson is. He'd be close to Doug Martin. He'd be in that Adrian, somewhere in between Adrian Peterson and Doug Martin is where I would rank him. Yeah, we'll see. And I got him in the, the aforementioned friends and family league. I almost went four straight backs, which would have been pretty funny if um, if C.J. Anderson wasn't taking one pick before oh, me. That was a great value and, by Hanson. C.J., I was hoping he's going to come to me. C.J. Anderson is like one of six three-down backs. You know, he's a guy who plays every down. He's on a team that's going to have a great D and a terrible quarterback, and they're going to hide the QB as much as possible. Really, it's just a matter of health for him and obviously some performance because Devontae Booker's there. Nobody really has a higher ceiling. I mean, he just does he does everything. He does it well, and he's in a good situation. Yeah, the point I was trying to make. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have been. I would have happily grabbed him in the third round of a fourteen team league. It was like the middle of the round. Um, but um, Michael was aggressively taken in this draft, so I was not able to back up Rawls. So I, I screwed up. That was my one mistake. I, it was round seven, and I was like, I really want to get 
Christine Michael. It was just the right pick. And I thought I saw him buried in the Yahoo ranks. And I thought, eh, no one's, it, this is a reach. No one's going to take him. So I, I'll take a steady receiver like Vincent Jackson, someone who you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to get targets. And I'll get Michael next round. And, of course, he went, you know, four picks before my next pick. And it was just stupid. Don't ever do that in NFL drafts. If you're in a fantasy football draft and there's just any chance the guy's going to get taken, just reach and take him. Don't don't hope to steal that extra round. Especially when you when you're you know countering him with some carcass like Bjax. I mean that's just a coward. <laughs> that, a coward. It was, coward. It was yeah. cowardly. But I, but I mean I did not do it thinking Bjax was better. I did it thinking I was going to get both. Right. Well, I want to give you a hard time because I just noticed this. Um, both the leagues we're in, uh, or two of the leagues we're in, I should say, because we're in more than that. Um, the uh, Team Huevos. I'm not sure if you did that on your own. No, um, Trevor did that. But, no, no, I know that. But I mean, what the, the thing I'm about to get to, I'm not sure if you picked him up or not. Um, and I was just asleep at the wheel. But I definitely noticed in Friends and Family, I played chicken a little too long. And I have Ezekiel Elliott in both. And you have Alfred Morris in both. So I'm not too happy about that because that, that could really turn ugly for me. Yeah, I mean, there's that domestic violence allegation. Maybe it's nothing, but no, just because there hasn't been news on it doesn't mean it went away. It doesn't mean there's not professionals investigating this thing, and we don't know what the truth is, right? I mean, if he did nothing, he'd be doing what he's doing. If he did something terrible, he'd be doing what he's doing. What else is he going to do? Yeah, so how far did you, uh, did, you, did you change his value? Did you move Dez's? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Ro- – by the way, Romo, I have him – in both the, the, the leagues we're talking about, Team Huevos and oh, – sorry, a different league, Stopa, Stopa, which are two quarterback leagues. Right, right. It doesn't I matter. Mean, right. If you had Roman a 1QB 12 team, like who cares? Who I mean, cares? You just pick someone up. Sure. It means nothing. I didn't even draft a quarterback in the Yahoo Friends and Family. I still don't have a quarterback. I just like why – it's like kicker and D. If I can use the extra positions for a week, why not just – it's the same thing. It's just like a kicker. You pick up a quarterback. It's no big deal. Especially that league with, with short benches. Right. So people really – it's tough to carry two. Right. It's, that's what it is. If I were in the NFFC, with, especially in a 14-team league like that, with 10-man benches, I would have had to take a quarterback or two. But with four-man benches, no one's going to be holding two QB. Some people drafted two, but no one's going to be holding two. We'll get into bye weeks and people have injuries. There's just no way. So – um, I'm not worried about that at all. But in your QB flex leagues that you're in, of course, losing Romo is big. But I told you, man. I told you at the time that was a stupid pick. Yeah, it's not like I targeted him or spent a lot a, a lot comparatively to yeah, that tier of quarterbacks. You but spent like as much as I spent on Winston on Romo in the Stopa league. Uh, yeah, I probably you're, did. You're an idiot. That's okay. It just brings me a little bit slighter. You know, I'm so far out in front with the rest of my team yeah. in that league. At least it. it, it I hope uh, you are, because that was just dumb. That was just that was just stupid. What a brittle old man. God. Yeah, but I mean, why would you? You knew that. That's just he was such a big risk. Now I downgraded Des a little bit. The thing is, Prescott looks so good in preseason. May mean something. May not. But at least it gives some hope for Dallas. And so and behind that line, he'll be kind of playing with hitters counts. You know, he'll have a lot of third and shorts to deal with with, with Elliott in the line. I didn't well, downgrade Elliott at all. I don't, I don't think yeah. it's – I think they're just going to run even more. The line's good. They had crap last year, and McFadden was able to run behind it. So I don't, I don't think it really hurts Elliott. Yeah, I didn't downgrade him at all. But I did downgrade Dez just because, you know, he's getting up there in age, coming off, you know, totally injury-ruined – season and who knows with Prescott I'm I, what do you make of it I mean he's so good in the preseason not just good but really eye-opening good but I mean three months ago this was a guy a borderline even going to make an NFL roster didn't really seem like a guy that would, his game would translate to the NFL uh, he can run maybe the, the game plans even if he is successful should just be totally vanilla I move Bryant behind guys like 
Cooper, Jeffrey, Nelson, even like T.Y. Hilton, I mean, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, why would you not take these guys with maybe a little less upside, but currently, you know, aren't dealing with possibly a disastrous quarterback situation? Yeah, I had Des lower than most to begin with. You know, people were taking him over Allen Robinson in some leagues that I was in, and I never right. had him over Robinson, and that this was part of it, that Romo was really fragile. I, I had priced that in, that you're not just dealing with Dez's possibility of getting hurt like everybody has a possibility of that, but also his QB. I had him lower than he got the concussion. I was going to raise him up because I saw everyone drafting him higher, and I was like, eh, maybe I'm being a little stingy. Dez is a touchdown machine. But then he got the concussion, so I didn't. So then when Romo went down, I just moved him down a little bit. T.Y. Hilton, as good as he is, he's dealing with a situation where the offensive line there looks terrible. I don't know how the plays are going to develop to get him. You know, he gets down the field. You need a little time to throw down the field. And, you know, Luck got hurt last year because the offensive line was so bad. That's a risk again this year. So he's now one of the riskier QBs, believe it or not, I think health-wise, because the line is so bad. So it's – you know, and, and none of those guys are touchdown machines like Dez. Jordy is, but Jordy comes with a unique set of risks being 31 off the ACL. I mean, I, it, would, it would be surprising to me to see Jordy be an elite receiver like he was a couple of years ago. This guy at 31 is going to be one of the top 12 or 13 receivers in the league. Well, yeah, not only coming off a serious knee injury, but then, you know, whatever, tendonitis in his other just right. recently, a few weeks ago, for overcompensating. And, so and I have him lower than most as well. I, I talked about this on the XM show. The Packers are being priced like not, like last year never happened. Rodgers is the one or two QB. He's going behind Cam only, which is where he'd be going if he just if last year didn't happen. And Randall Cobb is third round. That's like last year didn't happen. Maybe he would be like a, five picks earlier. And Jordy's going second round like last year never happened. Maybe he'd be five picks earlier. In that case, but Lacey aggressive too. He's being right. Pretty- Lacey, you know, maybe five, yeah, five picks late. I mean, they are not getting discounted at all for a season that was an out and out disaster for all of them. And so that's weird. Yeah, I mean, part of it is, is, is uh, there are reports that Cobb dealt with a shoulder injury that uh, early on that didn't allow him to work out. So they're kind of okay, giving but- him a pass there. And the thing is, I, I actually am guilty of this. Uh, I am very worried about Jordy Nelson. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I picked the, the Packers to go 13-3 and three in my preview. I picked Aaron Rodgers to win MVP. I have him above Cam Newton on my fantasy uh, rankings. I'll get neither ever cause, because I wait on quarterback. But even in this disastrous of a season, as you suggest, he had 31 touchdown passes and eight picks last year. I yeah, mean, on like 6.8 YPA. Yeah, 6.7, yeah. Devontae Adams... Well, what does that suggest to you? Do you think that you're going to say that it was a fluke? I mean, I, I mean, I, I would assume that his YPA will, will, will regress to his career norm. This guy's still in his prime. Devontae Adams saw so many looks. He had the lowest yards per target in the NFL, which is tough to do when you have one of the greatest, three greatest quarterbacks throwing to you. Only, the, Tavon Austin was second worst. Devontae Adams was the worst. It, it, it's, it's a crazy thing that I do expect to bounce back from this Packers offense. I get your point. But no, I, but I'm, I, no, I'm saying that's fine to expect to bounce back, but is it also fine to pretend it never happened? Like, let's say someone has a bad year. Giancarlo Stanton has a bad year. He's going to slip in drafts next year because right. of it, right? We don't just say – we say, oh, I'm going to draft him early second round, expecting a bounce back. You're not going to take what he did this year in the second round. You're going to do it because he's, you're expecting him to bounce back. That is different than saying – I'm going to pretend that there's no need for a bounce back because a bad year never, ever even happened. These guys are two years older than they were when they had their big years in 2014, all of them. 
you have these excuses like Rodgers had a little cleanup thing on his knee, maybe Cobb's shoulder, Jordy got hurt. But you know what? These guys were not on the injury report during the year, okay? So if you're not even on the injury report and you are not playing well and Cobb got totally exposed last year and Rodgers did not play well, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, it was a latent injury. He wasn't even, these guys were not even on the injury report week to week, most weeks. And you cannot tell me the greatest quarterback of all time and Cobb, who was a nine-yard-a-target guy, it's all because Jordy Nelson got hurt. I mean, Jordy Nelson is a good no, player, I, but the greatest QB of all time doesn't just fall apart because one guy got hurt, who's not even considered a top-five receiver in the league. Okay? Totally. I totally agree. Uh, maybe so, Jerry. So I don't, I'm not saying Rodgers is not one of the greatest QBs of all time. I think he is. And at his age, there's really no reason to think he's permanently terrible or anything like that. But – Something was wrong last year, and I think it needs to be priced in at least a little bit. That, you know, every every week last year, I was like, ah, you know, I'll start Rodgers in DFS. He's going to bounce back. He's too good. And they just didn't. You know, and at a certain point, you got to say, okay, I don't know why. I'm not sure what it means, but to just ignore it, that's that's basically been what people are doing. I do think Cobb was uh, on the injury report a little. I think there was some concern that he was playing banged up throughout, but I totally understand what you're saying. And similarly, I loved Jeremy Hill a month ago because he was coming off a down year, and I thought it bounced back, and his price reflected as such. But as we get closer to the season, he's getting drafted extremely aggressively from what I've seen in, in fantasy drafts. And, and basically the market has treated Melvin Gordon like he's coming off a rookie of the year season, which has really, really surprised me. So it does seem like a lot of these guys are just getting really aggressively drafted in, 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 in fantasy football but like they wouldn't, as you suggest, say – John Carlos Stanton. So um, I, I get what your what your point is. Is this that yeah they might bounce back, but they're certainly getting treated like that's a certainty, right? And and I I, I don't think that's a good that's not a good way to go about it. You have to say there's some chance that last year meant something, and price that in to some extent. It's just not being priced in. Melvin Gordon, I don't understand at all. There's another guy I don't understand at all is Frank Gore. I mean I I've seen guys who everyone respects putting Gore in the sixth round of a PPR, and I'm thinking. Dude, he's 33. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry last year. I mean, Occam's razor, man. He's done. He's toast. That's it. When Andre Johnson had a horrible year in 2014, and people like you drafted him in 2015, <laughs> like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's got more opportunity. And Andrew Luck was like, really? The dude is 33 or 34, wherever he was last year, and he's falling off the cliff. I mean, that's just – when you have a huge decline in efficiency – and there's that kind of age, especially with a running back who's 33. Do you really have to tie yourself a knot to say, well, he's got lots of opportunity and there's not a lot of competition and try to, like, make a case for this guy? Just stay away, man. I mean, yeah, in round 11, go ahead. But what? I don't, I don't get it. I, I thought, you know, that was it. You know, if you're 33 as a running back and you come off an inefficient season, it's, it's game over, right? Totally agree with you. And I love Frank Gore, you know, um, as a Niner guy. Um, he had some fantastic seasons. A fun player to watch, uh, one of the best blocking running backs in, in his generation. Um, used to be a nice pass catcher, but that kind of uh, went in the wayside the second half of his career. He had a couple fum really weird fumbles at the goal line last season. So here's the thing: I'm, I'm down on Adrian Peterson, but I could, but he's 31, and I could be very, very wrong about that. Gore's 33. I mean, he's two full years older than a player that I'm worried about who has a heavy workload recently, the second half of last season, he got 3.2 yards per carry. I understand that was without luck, and I, I get the situation there, and people are talking themselves into him partially or may, maybe even mainly because there's just no backup there that we know of. But 
anyone can step in that we just, you know, there's every year there's players you've never even heard of that can step up. Um, I don't know wh- whom it's going to be. It sounds like Ferguson, everyone's favorite, might not even make the roster, but that doesn't matter that much to me. Um, some people are saying, yeah, well, if you can get Gore in the seventh round, it's just such a discount for a possible feature back in a, in a terrific offense. But, you know, losing a seventh round pick, it, it's, it's, it's not as bad as losing a sixth round pick. But wasting any any pick is not good, and that is absolutely what could be here. And I, I personally have him ranked outside my top 35 running backs. Yeah, I mean, dude, th- you think at 34 he's going to be back in the league starting somewhere next year? No, There's no way. This is it. No. This is yeah. the end of the road for him. It's going to happen this year. You think he's going to end out with like 4.2 yards per carry and, you know, 1,050 yards and nine touchdowns? No way. He had 3.7. It's just going down. And I think they're going to get rid of him. They're going to stick with him because they're one of the stupidest teams in the league. But when they get to about week four, just like with Andre Johnson, they put him ahead of Dante Moncrief. They had Moncrief, who was in year two, ready to break out, and they decided to sign this guy. And they drafted Dorsett, and they try to force Andre Johnson in there. But even the Colts, stupid as they are, they realized after a few weeks, this guy's done. He's toast. Yeah, week one at Cincinnati, week three at Denver. I mean, it could get ugly early on, and they're going to maybe have to move on. I, I'm totally with you here. I mean, we right. we okay. disagreed on Rawls, but I don't, but I don't see these people. I mean, these are guys like Evan Silva. Had, I saw his list. You know, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Why is and he 55th? I mean, you don't need to dance, dance around the bush. He's a big boy. You're saying what Matthew Barry took him in the uh, the Stern League, right? Is that oh, what you're Barry took to? him too? Yeah, I believe so. I didn't know Barry had him ranked. I don't understand it. I don't get what these guys are seeing in that. I to me, it's, it's like open and shut. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe, you know, the guy will go off and I'll be like, yep, I guess he's the rare 33-year-old who can defy a down year and come back. But, man, I, I, it's like whenever anyone takes Frank Gore in my drafts, I'm like, sweet. That's just a pick that I was never going to do. And it's like, it just makes it one pick closer to my pick with everybody I want still on the board. Yeah, no, like I said, not not okay. a top 35 on my running back board. I'm, I'm with All you right. on this. I, and, I mean, like I said, I love Frank Gore, the player, and the situation I, I get. What are, you, what are you doing with that? You should be able to make a profit if, if you feel so strongly. But the problem is, I mean, we go and bob Turbin. I mean, yeah, no, I like Turbin. I, I, I mean, okay. there's nothing you can do because, as I said, the Colts are going to force feed him no matter what for four, five, six games. And then, you know, at that point, it's kind of late to pick up Turbin, who may or may not be the backup. It looks like he will be. He, he's going to die a slow death because a couple bad games is not going to be enough. It's, they're going to have to really have conclusive proof. Plus, he's probably good as a blocker in the passing game, and that's going to be needed. And, they're, you know, they're going to suffer through some pretty bad per-play numbers. But the thing is, if you draft Gore and you say, well, they're going to stick with him, they probably will for a while. But if he's getting 2.93 yards of carry, it's not going to be good for you. It would be like having Trent Richardson on the Colts, you know, where he's not even helping you. He's in your lineup because he's a starter, but he's right. barely doing anything. Yeah, a couple things. I was just reading a, a pretty interesting fact article on Pro Football Focus. I think it's free as well. Um, and uh, that just reminded me as far as pass protection. They said Ezekiel Elliott, not only did he have something like 300 more uh, yards after first contact last year than the next best, which was Leonard Fournette, who you know everyone envisions a super a future star, but he allowed a, supposedly one uh, quarterback pressure throughout his collegiate career, I believe. I mean, that's That's pretty crazy as far as a complete back entering the league. So I think he, he could be crazy. Um, if but, he doesn't um, get suspended, that is. Um, we got to go in a few minutes because i got to start this XM show, of which you're going to be on, which is ridiculous that we do this and then you get on for the XM show the same day. 
But quickly, uh, your buddy, Colin Kaepernick, who you golfed with recently and hung out with, who knew? Who knew that he would be the major story uh, in the entire country three weeks later? Yeah, I don't know what to, I mean, it's, it's crazy how much he's uh, the talk of the, uh, the country. I mean, this is blown up beyond belief, and um, it's uh, revealed a lot of people's uh, opinions on my Facebook line. Uh, my, my wife has had to mute um, multiple people. Uh, just uh, It's very frustrating. I don't really want to get into the whole political thing. Why not? Um, I don't. I mean, I think it's it, – it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's crazy how – If Colin Kaepernick can stand up in front of peop, you know, millions of people – not stand up. Not stand up. And you on a podcast, that not that many people listen to this podcast, aren't even willing to state your view, man. Well, my view is it's totally it's totally fine. I just don't get why you must have a hot take on one side or the other. Like, why can't you just acknowledge that both sides have a point? That's that's my point. Well, what, I just don't what's, get what's the, So what are the points that you think are valid on both sides? Okay, on one side, obviously, there's a there's an issue in America, and and what's what Colin Kaepernick is absolutely not disrespecting the military. What he's doing, I mean, it's a it's a sim. I mean, he's he wants us, uh, the country, to discuss issues that are a a problem, uh, and that that much is clear. And this is his method of doing it, and he's crazily, I mean, admirably, stupidly. Um, willing to put his uh, even his they even asked him, you know, what if you get on the road violently, if this results in violence to him? And he's like, well, that'll just prove my point. I'm willing to, to deal with that. But but more realistically, it's ruined his career um, and he's OK with that. And it's one thing to donate to uh, charity or something. And even if your name's attached to it, you're even getting pats on the back. This is really standing up for a cause when it negatively affects you personally. And to say, that's to say the least what's happening to him. And then, of course, the whole other side, you know, sure, your First Amendment protects you from the government, but it doesn't protect you from, you know, your employer or your uh, the, the ramifications societally. And sure, there are a lot of. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, well, I mean, just take that for a second. Yeah, it, it, legally, it doesn't protect you. Right. I mean, if. You can you can express yourself and then your employer can fire you. But should the does the employer have a valid reason to fire you? That's the question. Right. They right. can right. legally. They certainly can can say you're not the kind of person we want on our team now. But should they be saying that? That's the question. Right. Right. And there's obviously great cops out there as well. And there's um. Well, there's no, other no, no. Go back. Issues. I'm asking you the question. Should they okay. be firing him for this? Is there a point of view that's legit? No one's. I don't think anyone's no. questioning that private. Entities should be able to decide who they want to hire, but no, should of course, they? Of course, they should not. Of course, I mean, there's the problem with with Kaepernick is that he's he's has an extensive uh, recent history of poor performance. So right. that, that's um, that's on the field. So that that's that's another issue here, and the whole cap hit and all that stuff. Right. I think they're just going to maybe put him on ice and just keep him keep him uh, on the team, but inactive. So they save game checks, uh, this bonus. And as long as he doesn't get hurt, then they're, he's not guaranteed next year's contract. Uh, obviously his trade market is totally dried up, especially if you believe that recent um, report where, where people have compared front offices compared him to Ray Carruth. Yeah. This, but you, this, you know, what was, you know, what was weak about that. None of those dudes went on record. Right. I hate that. Yeah, it, it's like, they're like, he's the worst, blah, blah, blah. And yet that dude's out in public, you know, and people are saying, well, what if someone tries to get, step to you violently and he's like well prove my point they're not they're towing the company line and not even willing to put their name to it and that dude mike freeman of bleacher report that's weak don't give those dudes a a, a megaphone to say that stuff about kaepernick if they're not willing to put their names to it just say a lot of 
uh, executives who were unwilling to go on record. They didn't want to be associated. They just wanted to say really nasty stuff about him, contacted me. So there's this you know, big backlash within them, but apparently none of them were willing to have the courage of their convictions to put their names to it. That's what he should have written, not giving them totally. the quote to say that stuff. Don't quote somebody and give them a platform if they're too cowardly to put their name on it. You saw what Rodney Harrison's deal is, right? You saw that? I saw something about it. I didn't really see the whole thing. He brought race into the issue and uh, did not realize that Colin Kaepernick was mixed race. He thought he was a white. <laughs> he thought he was a white person taking this stand. Right. That's funny. <laughs> that is. Funny. So, what are your thoughts? I know we got to so, go uh, soon. So, well, what are your thoughts? We got. We got like two minutes. My thoughts are: Look, man, this is a good way of doing it because there's nothing else he could have done would have got this kind of attention. So. He's gotten the attention. He's gotten the discussion going at great risk to himself, certainly financially, though he was. It is a little easier for a player who's on the way out. I like to see Tom Brady do it or somebody who, you know, has his career going strong. Aaron Rodgers. He's uh, young, though. Come on, man. I mean, maybe he's struggled recently, but I mean, he's I, I wouldn't. He's not like there's a twilight of his. You know, it's I kind mean. of the twilight of Kaepernick's career, I think. But it's fine. I, I don't use that to say it's not courageous. It is very courageous. And I, I just want to say a couple things. Is one, why do we even sing the national anthem before sporting events anyway? It's like if you're going to go to a play, they don't sing it before they start the play at the theater. I mean, it's, there's no reason we have to sing this. It's just a little weird. The NFL is not patriotic. The NFL is not more patriotic than the theater or some other line of work than the fantasy sports office. It's just the NFL. It's not they have no patriotism. Second of all, everyone's like, well, what about the troops? He's disrespecting the troops. This has nothing to do with the troops. He didn't use the word troops. He's protesting police violence and the lack of consequences to it. He's not talking about the troops. What, why is patriotism always the troops? What, like, because I'm not in the military, I can't be patriotic now? You know, to me, part, of the, part of the reason that they fight for us is, is for the freedom to, to you know, to have their own Right. If you're in North Korea, you know, they executed a bunch of guys in the cabinet in North Korea because they were insufficiently enthusiastic. That's what lack of freedom looks like. What freedom looks like is, yeah, I'm not down with the way things are going, so I'm, I'm going to protest. And everyone says, yeah, he has a right to do that. And we're not going to drive him out of the NFL. You know, we're not going to destroy his career because of this. Because we respect dissent. That's what freedom looks like. If dissent comes at a price where nobody will hire you ever again and you're going to go broke, luckily for Kaepernick, he doesn't, he's not going to go broke because he's got enough money saved, then it's not really that free. It just becomes this, you know, we become sort of like a mini police state, you know, where we're policing everyone's speech to a ridiculous extent. So that's my thought. I think he's totally within his rights. I think the NFL... Really quick, what are your thoughts on people that counter and say all this is produced is people talking about him and not the issue itself? What would you say real quick? I think that, okay, that's phase one. They're like, why did he do it? What's his motive? Blah, blah, blah. But then phase two is, well, is he right? You know, is he right about this? And yeah. I don't know. It's man. pretty crazy. Seen, the guy seen videos the last five years... No one's saying every policeman does this. Obviously, the majority do not. But right. how could you deny this is the problem after seeing these videos? How could you deny? And the fact that these guys are not even getting indicted, let alone convicted, mostly. I mean, it is a big problem. And nobody's doing shit about it. So I think it's a totally legit issue. It's not like some minor, unimportant issue that he's protesting. So I have respect for it. All right. I had some other shit to say, but we're totally out because the XM show is literally starting momentarily. So... Let, let's call it. Let's call it at this, and uh, we'll talk in a couple hours. All right, let's. Yeah, we got to come up with a bet for our friends and family teams. Okay, no problem. We will figure that out, uh, and some other stuff too. All right, uh, thanks, man. Uh, you are listening to the East Coast Offense podcast. There's a special offer for new users. 
Uh, you can go to Fandle.com and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on Fandle. Go to Fandle.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on Fandle. That's more than $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to Fandle.com slash RW. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.